0: When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company, like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like, rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery,
1: Hey, everybody, Michael Teeson here, and you are listening to Open Mic with me, Michael Thiessen. Thanks so much for joining us. This show, of course, is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. This podcast is also a ministry of Royal Spring Chapel. So if you would like to support this podcast, head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com uh, slash donate and click the analysis box. Uh, if you click that box, then uh, donations will go to directly to christianweek.org. And if you want to support our legal work, which of course we're going to be highlighting today as we have with us James Kitchen, our chief litigator. If you want to support his work, head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate and click other designations. Before we get started, I want to in- introduce you again to Rocklink Investment Partners with inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon. Rocklink Investment Partners understand the investment challenges of today Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses, anchored in the time-tested principles of value investing. So if you want more information about Rocklink, they're great partners with us. Email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or go over to www.rocklink.com. And that is link with a C, everybody. So today, we want to give you a legal update, and I'm pleased to have with me my good friend, James Kitchen. James, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me again.
1: Yeah, so I I, I love it. We're we're scheduled for about once a month. Um, You've been busy, uh, I've been busy, and now it's good to have you back on. Um, Let's get right into it. People in, in December, you and I came on, on the podcast. We pled with people to give us support um, to, to continue our legal work. And you've got some great updates to give us. So jump right in, James.
0: Sure. So that was uh, mostly to do with the Josh Alexander case. So, of course, this is the saga that's over a year old now with Josh being kicked out of his Catholic school in Ontario, Canada for um, espousing Catholic Or, you know, broadly speaking, Christian beliefs, basic Christian beliefs about gender. Girls can't be boys. Boys can't be girls. Boys shouldn't be in girls' washrooms, etc. Boys shouldn't be on girls' sports teams, whatever. And uh, we've had a lot of things go on. And ultimately, in November we had a hearing before the trustees of the school board about whether or not Josh's many suspensions and what they called exclusions, so basically physically kicking him off campus, even if he's not actually expelled from the school. We had a hearing on those before three of the trustees of the Renfrew Catholic school board. Now these things are important and Um, you know, Josh and I put our our heart and soul into it. And, um, you know, I, uh, I questioned him for almost five hours. And for almost five hours, he gave excellent testimony, which was all secret, unfortunately. Uh, But predictably, predictably, though, we lost. So in these types of cases, what I'm really looking for is the manner in which we lose, because I know we're going to lose, because let's face it, and it's sad, but let's face it, most people, are pretty cowardly. Um, even 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 if they actually know what's right, uh, they don't tend they don't tend to do it. Uh, judges, trustees, uh, bureaucrats, um, human rights commissioners, whatever. I, I I face it all the time. I try to persuade them to do what's right, but I'm not exactly surprised when they don't. What I look for is, well, okay, what's 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 their reasoning? You know, what are they, what are they going to come up with? And are they going to try to hide it from from the people who are going to scrutinize them? So in this case, we got our we got our decision in December. I predicted it would come out just before Christmas, so that um, they could uh, they could hopefully it would be buried in the media. And plus, if I'm going to take it to the courts, I only have thirty days to do it. So the, so the best time for the trustees is to release it just before Christmas. And sure enough, they did. I think it was December twenty first or something like that. So um, we got our decision. And it, and it was a terrible decision, but 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 the kicker is this: it was secret. So what I mean by that is, I was given the decision. Josh was given a copy of it, but the trustees who made the decision said, "You can't share this with anybody else at all." So nobody else in the world has yet seen this decision, James, besides Josh and I.
1: Let okay? me can I just, can I just jump in with a with a a question for you? So again, this is this is all about. The school board trustees, three of the three members evaluating whether or not they themselves acted in accordance with Canadian law or they themselves made a mistake. And that's why you were so convinced, of course, we're going to go into this and we're going to lose and – and, and you're looking at the manner of the loss. I think we've clarified that in the past, but that's basically what the, this hearing was for.
0: Well, the, the, the person who made the decision, although obviously the lawyers would have been heavily involved, and, and they're often really the ones making a lot of these decisions, but but the person making these decisions to kick Josh out of school repeatedly for, for you know espousing these standard Christian beliefs was the principal, of the high, the Catholic high school that Josh went to, St. Joseph's High School, so this this we were appealing his multiple decisions to suspend and exclude Josh, um, and we don't really know what the tr- trustees' original involvement was, right? The trustees are the ones who, of course, decide to hire the woke lawyers and the woke superintendents, so they so they have some role. Were they directly involved in in the, in the principal's decision to to punish Josh? We don't know. But when, when, when that happens, when the principal makes a decision to exclude, you appeal to the trustees, right? And so, I mean, yeah, there's two reasons to think the trustees probably aren't going to overturn the principal. One, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's the fox watching the hen house problem, right? Like, are they really going to overturn their own, right? Um, and second of all, of course, you know, they're, this whole thing for the school board is about saving face, right? It's not about doing what's right. It's not about Josh's rights, and it's not about protecting girls, yeah, yeah, the trustees are the ones who set the policy, whether or not there's going to be, you know, porn in the schools or boys in the girls' washrooms or whatever we have these days in, in public and Catholic schools, right? So it's – it's like this is their own woke policy, right? So, you know, why would they – even though the law requires it, why would they rule any other way? So – but you would at least expect, okay, well, let's – you know, they, they're going to own it. They're going to be public about it. They're not going to hide it. They're, this is what they believe in. They're going to – they're going to they'll be loud and proud about it. Yeah, we – we we think this is the right thing to do and you can tell the world, right? And no, it was complete and utter secrecy. Um, you know, this is this is sort of like third world, you know, communist regime type stuff, right? Like we're gonna have a secret trial and we're gonna have a secret outcome, and no one's gonna know about it, and you can't do anything about it because it's all it's all buttoned up in secret, right? It's it's really, really out there. It's and it's and it's funny because I got the sense from talking to the lawyer for the trustees about this that they had no like they had no sense that that's what they were doing, right They were so scared, they they, they, want, they wanted secrecy for their own sake so much that they it's almost as if they were just blind to the fact that everybody was going to look at that and be like, okay, you obviously have something to hide and this the secrecy is bad and that actually really interests us. Um, so now we're really, now we're really interested in what you're doing because you're trying to be secret about it. It's, it, it attracts more attention. So anyways, it's it's um, it's obviously unlawful and I, in a sense, in a, in a different sense. OK, so so it's, it's unlawful to discriminate against Christians on the basis of religious belief. That's a law in Canada. That law is kind of a law on paper that doesn't necessarily mean a lot sometimes, unfortunately. But this other this other area of law is called the open court principle. So any administrative government, bureaucratic administrative decision maker must be open to the public. They must hold their hearings in public. Their decisions must be publicly accessible so everybody can see what they did and why they did it, okay? This is just like a basic bedrock part of the Canadian legal structure. So uh, that's that's like a whole other level of unlawfulness that, you know, the court might agree that it's okay to discriminate against Christians. That's sort of the legal fad right now, but the court isn't going to be okay with it being done secretly, right? They're going to want everybody to be able to see that that's what's going on.
1: Yeah. And to just clarify here, this is where they sealed the decision. So everybody, this is the, the the decision and the rationale for the decision. So they sealed it. And we've gone over this before, James. So I just want to now get into the details of the case that we haven't been able to talk about. But this ceiling is only reserved for like national security, I think you've mentioned. So we've already gone over that, but that's that's the level, folks. And this yeah. is what we would call a kangaroo court. This is what you would, this is what this is what you, you know, where people are hauled off to a closed clo- uh, court hearing given their sentence, and then are never heard of again, that's what we see in totalitarian countries. So this, this open court system is a very important concept. So, so, so James, we're now not in that situation. For some reason, the decision is now unsealed. Can you explain that to us? What's happened? And then just get into the decision for us? Because that's what people are really waiting to hear about.
0: Okay, so the, 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 the trustees can get away with this if we don't appeal it to the courts. Okay, that's our only recourse. Uh, and, and we only had 30 days to do that. So in December and January, we, we, we pled to the listeners to um, provide some support so we could do that. And they responded, and they responded big, and I thank them very much. Um, and so we were able to use those funds to get to work on an appeal in January. It's called a a judicial review, technically. So we filed that in January. Now, what that means is that now, now everything that happened with Josh before the trustees goes before the court and the open court principle kicks in, okay? So when you go to court like this for judicial review, you have to file what's called a record, okay? The trustee's decision has to be part of the record and the record has to be accessible to the public, okay? So that's, it's just, it's just a matter of this is how, this is, this is technically how the courts work. So all I had to do to, tr- to trigger this was to file that judicial review. Now, I haven't, um, just just for how this works, okay, I haven't been able to release the decision yet. So I have my court record, but I also have to file what's called a brief, which is my written argument, okay? So once I file both the court record and the brief, we're working on the brief right now, once those are filed, I serve them on the school board and then I am allowed to give them to the public because they're part of the public court record. So it's coming. We're almost there. Um, but I I have had conversations with the school board. I've told them, you know, they, they know this is coming. I've told them, I said, okay, uh, I'm going to release the decision, open court principle, you know, the unlawful ceiling order and publication ban at the lower, at, at, at uh, the trustee level is bunk and you know it. And they basically come back and said, yeah, you know, we don't want to fight about this. We, we want to redact uh, the students' names, um, the underage students involved in this. But everything else, we're going to allow you to – or we're going to agree that you can publish this and good, right? Which is funny, of course. They didn't agree with me at, at the trustee level because they, they they knew that they could abuse their power to keep it all secret, right? But they can't anymore now that we're at the, at the real court. So uh, I'm very happy about that. I'm very pleased, right? Like, I mean, I, obviously the decision is terrible, I wanted to judicially review it. I do think we have a chance of winning before the court if we don't get a completely woke judge. And I think that that's really good, but whether we lose or win, we got a massive victory with the fact that these people made this decision. They tried to keep it secret. We held them accountable. It won't be secret. The world will be able to see and they'll be able to criticize just how terrible this decision is, whether or not the courts agree with them. At least now we, the public can criticize it and become aware of how bad it is and 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 do things about it. I mean, you might not be able to replace the judge, that maybe eventually will agree with the school board, but you can replace those trustees. That's what the people in Renfrew County can do. So this, this, this is a victory already, whether we win this case at the court or not.
1: I want to just thank our listeners and supporters who stepped up in order to help fund James in this endeavor. Um, you know, Josh's case has cost us quite a bit and uh, it's, it's such an important case for the future of our children. I can't, I can't overstate friends that we have neglected the importance of the law and because we have done so the laws in the land are working against, uh, their citizens. And when you have a young man like Josh, who, um, Like everybody knows that men are men and women are women. There is some people who are perverted and some people who are um, confused. And it is only the um, the world of empathy gone mad that allows them to then redefine reality so that a young man standing in a classroom trying to defend girls who are holding um, who are holding their bladder their 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 movements uh because they don't want to go into the bathroom you know so 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 yes i agree this is a victory and and james so so we can't just to be clear we still can't go into that document yet we still can't actually talk about how bad the decision was and and the and the specifics of it we're not quite there yet that's going to have to be next month am i right
0: yeah i want to be able to take people through it what I I can say at a high level that, uh, the decision is basically just, um, a chapter out of a woke textbook. It's not a legal decision. Um, presumably it was written by a lawyer. The trustees had a lawyer advising them as, as you, as, as is common amongst these, these bureaucratic, um, processes, you have people who aren't legally trained that are making the decision, right? So trustees, um, maybe, you know, like a bunch of, um, a bunch of osteopaths are, or not, a bunch of doctors are sitting around deciding if another doctor has committed professional misconduct. They're not legally trained to do that. They have to hire a lawyer to advise them. So there was a lawyer advising them. So I'm going to assume that he wrote the decision. That's usually how it goes. Um, but it is, it is, it is not a legal decision. It, it is, it is, it is just a, a, a short treatise on wokeism. Um, it's interesting you use the word treatise so the,
1: the, the, because the the word that was coming to my mind was teaching. It, it's an, it's another one of these things where there's an accepted doctrine that is just taught to us in the complete absence of reality. And it is true. People yeah. can accept lies and, and can be foolish, but they just teach you as if you're supposed to accept it. And you go, wait a minute, what about the law? And what about reality? I, And and apparently their word is law. And so I'm really looking forward to going to going through this and, and, and showing people exactly how unlawful the decision is because it is so rooted in a, you know, in an ideology or the pragmatism that just won't deal with the ideology.
0: For, for, for me, and this is this is the one part I will talk about this time, but but for me, the thing that really stuck out, and it might not for most people, but as a religious freedom lawyer and as someone who studied history and philosophy, et cetera, the thing that stuck out for me was the the idea that you can believe whatever you want. We're not trying to take away your beliefs. You can believe whatever you want. Just keep it in here. As soon as you got it here, we got a problem. And that's, that's the problem because you're not supposed to talk about it not supposed to do anything about it you're just supposed to leave it here and as long as you do we're good we you know you're you're totally free think and believe whatever you want you just can't take it out of here and, and put it into practice and except for the to, person to me, who wants to
1: go and use the female bathroom that person can take it from here and express it right there and go over there
0: yeah yeah i, I know the double standard is so obvious you caught it right away
1: <laughs> yeah
0: no, but this this idea is common amongst sort of the anti Christian woke crowd. Is uh, you know you you bigots. Your problem is that you want to be able to push all your stuff on everybody else. You know we don't want to take away your freedom. You can believe whatever you want. Just don't talk about it and don't don't act on it. Why do you have to do that? I don't understand. Can not it just be in your head? And actually, it was kind of like reading something that like a grade ten uh, student might 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 write. Uh, I mean, probably the grammar was a little better, but that's at at the intellectual conceptual level. It's kind of sad, actually. That's that's this decision was at that level. That's how low level intellectually it was. Right. To say that this is this is the way things should be. This is the way our society is. This is what the law says, is that you can think what you want. You just can't say it because as soon as you as soon as you say it. You might hurt someone's feelings, and if you do, then, you know, we're going to shut that down. You can't do that. That, to me, was the, was the, was the, uh, was, was the biggest problem throughout this decision that sort of, they grounded everything else on this approach to law, society, religious freedom, the world, right? And, and I want to point that out for people. We'll get into the details next time, but I want to point that out for people because that approach is is popular, Right. It's it, 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 you got, you got lawyers espousing it. You have, you have elected officials espousing it. You have bureaucrats, you have people in positions of power that are espousing this perspective. And I'll tell you, that will tear our society apart if that perspective continues to gain traction. So I want people to be thinking about that and to be able to talk about that and respond to it because that, that is, that is very dangerous.
1: Okay, so not being able to go into further specifics, let's move on and let's talk about some of our other cases because you you were busy in January um, and uh, good support came in from our listeners and our our supporters for our other cases Mm -hmm. as well. So why don't you talk about uh, Rebecca's case? Sure. So
0: we took on an EI case. Um, There's been a few of these through the last year and a year and a half. Many people can relate to this personally, or they've at least known somebody this has happened to. So we had the vaccine mandates in place in 2021, early 2022. Um, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands, but at least tens of thousands of Christians across the country lost their job unlawfully, discriminated against. Um, I'm mitigating a number of those cases, and I know that uh, there's, there's other ones besides what I'm doing. But all those people, of course... Went and applied for EI, right? They've paid into it. This is just this is just part of the system in Canada. Uh, whether you think socialism is good or not, or whether you realize that EI is part of socialism, whatever. Like you know, we've all paid into it. We all should be able to get from it, right? You know, equal. Everybody's equal in Canada, right? So so Christians, so they so they go and they apply for these EI benefits. Well. Um, apparently EI was told from, from higher up, you need to deny all these people. I don't think they needed much encouragement. I mean, the people who work at EI, obviously the types of people that would, you know, gladly take their six, six shots and tell everybody else that, uh, you know, they should or their grandma killers. And so everybody, everybody was shut down. Everybody said, no, no benefits because it's misconduct for you not to take the shot. Bad boy, bad girl. You didn't take the shot. We don't care that it had anything to do with your Christian beliefs, supposedly, you don't, you don't, you don't get your EI benefits. So um, there's a whole bunch of people who said, um, "Okay, well, I'm going to appeal this." And so all, there's all these various appeal steps, and we go through this bureaucratic system called the the Social Security Tribunal. And then eventually, once we get past that, you go to the Federal Court of Canada. There's two levels of that: the Federal Court and the Federal Court of Appeal. And then from there, you go to the Supreme Court of Canada, which is, you know, very unlikely. So Rebecca Abdu typical story. Like I just said, she's a Christian. She's working at a job. She was there for like 10 years. Everything was fine. She worked by herself. There was absolutely no need to take this thing. She told her, she told her, she told her employer, I can't take it. I got my Christian beliefs. Her employer said, yeah, we know, we know you're sincere about your Christian boy. I mean, if you've never met this woman, she's very, very sincere. It's very, very obvious. She's very passionate about Christ. Um, and so they, they admitted that she was, that she was sincere Christian. they just said, yeah, but we just don't want it, And we just don't think we need to and you know so there you go and so we get we get before the EI commission and they say well the employer can fire you for whatever reason they want and you know it, it, you didn't do what you were told it doesn't matter that you know the, they broke the law and discriminated against you you're not going to get your benefits so we went through all those all those various steps and we lost at the federal court now our main argument is this Okay, and always always has been. We've had various other arguments. This is a whole new area of law, so we tried a whole bunch of things, and the courts have just been closing doors left, right, and center. But our, but one of our main arguments always was this. The law says two things that are very important. The law, I mean, the law has said this. Who, who knows if it's going to continue to be the case? But in the past, the law has said, look, we recognize a couple things about religion. Okay? One... It doesn't change unless you want it to, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't just change, right? If you believe what you believe, then only you can decide if you're gonna change that. Nobody, nobody, nobody can make you change that. If if you're sincere in your belief, right? I mean, we can understand this, right? People have died for their Christian faith. They they have become martyrs because people have said you know, do you believe in God? And the answer is yes. And then boom, right? Or if you go back to the Inquisition or whatever, whatever your example is, we, we, we get this, right? People will lose their jobs, right? They'll be kicked out of things uh, <laughs> like school, uh, because they'll say, I, I believe in Jesus. And Jesus Jesus says there's only two genders. And Jesus says that I shouldn't do this. And whatever, right? Uh, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow my beliefs. I'm going to follow Jesus all the way to my grave kind of thing. So those beliefs. Now you might change your your theology a little bit over time, but of course, if you do, you've done it willingly, not because someone's forced you to, right? So the court actually recognizes that. We 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 they call it constructively immutable. Immutable just is fancy word for non-changing. Okay. And uh, the the analogy for this in the law actually is is the law's approach to um and it's kind of funny the law has kind of kind of kind of backed itself into a corner with this. The law would say with sexual orientation that it can't be changed. Now, we know better, but but that's how the law approaches it because that's, you know, for, for three decades, the gay people have gone to the courts and said, we're born this way, we can't help it, we can't change, we want you to recognize that, the court has said okay. But in the meantime, they also recognize that about things like religion. You can't change your religion, okay? And they've also recognized that religion itself, right, that belief, it's, it's supposed to be protected. You're not supposed to be discriminated against or punished somehow in society for simply believing those things. Now, now maybe maybe theoretically you can use your beliefs to do something that's that's unlawful. You know, the classic example obviously would be the, the Muslim who says, well, I believe this, so I should go out and, and, and be able to be violent with somebody. No, obviously the law says that that goes too far. Right. But. Uh, but generally, it's it's supposed to be protected a- across the board. It doesn't matter if it's EI or anywhere else, right? So if, if it can't change, what the EI commission has said, okay, it said these people all chose, they all chose, freely chose to disobey the policy and to not become vaccinated. Well, that's just not true. They didn't choose that. It wasn't a choice for them, Right these are my beliefs. I've heard from the Holy Spirit. I've read the Bible. I know the shots are bad because of abortion, because they're going to they're gonna harm the, the, my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, uh, uh, Christ is the law of freedom, and, and I can't let myself be part of this coercive mandate, whatever, all the reasons, right? all the reasons I didn't take the shot, all the reasons, right? And uh, these things, these things are not a choice, you know, it's not like you just choose your purple socks this morning the way you choose Christ. It's, I believe this; it's not going to change. And so, the EI commission is running around and saying, "Well, the, you chose to. You chose to follow your beliefs, and that choice was misconduct." And Can I Sorry. Go ahead.
1: I so that that's the key right there. So, in these situations, in, in these situations there who's interpreting misconduct in the sense of like um Re- rebecca lost her job and she lost her job not by her decision by her employer's decision but ah, w- was exactly. she being was she being terminated with cause is that is that where ei is then making this case about about um about it being her decision and, and and misconduct what's fascinating is for ei
0: they should they should be looking at whether or not somebody was was lawfully terminated for cause they they aren't in this situation they're they're bending the law to say that look if an employer is firing somebody, not firing somebody, putting somebody on leave, whatever they decide to do with people who won't take the shot and whatever their reasons are for not taking the shot. We don't care. As soon as an employer does that, we will back them up. We will say that they did the right thing and the employee did the wrong thing and we will not give out benefits. And you do, I mean, you know, I am i don't go in for all the conspiracy theories, but I'll tell you, having litigated this, you really do get the sense that, that the EI commission is not doing this haphazardly. This 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 was this was a planned approach to this that they would do everything they could to deny every benefit possible to everybody who didn't take the shot. Like this is a, it's a results oriented approach.
1: I, I want to pause here to really get understanding. So, is EI only available to people who have been terminated or lost their job? Like, so let, let me try to ask this in simple terms. So, I'm working at a convenience store. I'm the manager. I've paid into EI for years and years and years and years. One night, I go to the back of the shop. I leave the till open by accident. Someone comes in, steals a hundred bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is. They run. I come back, realize my mistake, report that to my employer. My employer decides to terminate me to terminate me with cause, basically, you know, a- able to say, you know, this is the second time you've left the tell, tell the till open and uh, we- we're terminating you with cause. I would assume that I would be able to turn around and apply for EI simply because I had paid into it and that not that I have to, I not, and, 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 and not that I have to rely on a governmental agency third party to go, no, wait a minute, you were terminated with just cause. So can you just explain that? Because I, I would have never even thought that they would be looking at why I was terminated. I just, I was employed. I paid a lot of money into EI and now I am unemployed and I am now applying for you to help me in this time of unemployment. And yes, I myself will learn or not learn the lessons that I was just in. I have a certain amount of EI to be paid out to me. If I don't learn the lesson, then eventually it's gonna run out on me. But if I learn my lesson, okay, great. I need this for three months to get through. Can you just explain to me because that it seems like now you're the way that this case is out that EI has the ability to go oh no we don't like the reason why you're unemployed so therefore we're not going to pay you this benefit and and maybe that's always been the case can you please explain
0: well okay so there's there's sort of two things going on one EI is supposed to only be there when you lose the job due to no fault of your own. OK, that's the whole idea with misconduct. So in the legislation, it says if you lost the job due to your own mis- misconduct, you're not going to get EI. OK, that was a choice that was made you know, 40 years ago when, when EI was introduced. OK, so, yes, if you're terminated for cause, you've been fired. You can't get EI. You won't get it. The, you, they'll deny you. OK, so the idea for EI is you've lost your job because you've been laid off. You lost your job because the business went under and there's no work or they, it's seasonal work or whatever. The, the, the whole point, the whole idea with employment insurance is that you have an insurance. On your employment for when your employment due to no fault of your own due to no choice of your own because um, you can't get it when you quit either same thing if you quit or you fire, right you get fired you don't get EI It's you get EI when you've been involuntarily released from your job um not because you did something wrong okay so that's the starting point for EI so the the, the approach to EI though so so I had a bunch of clients who went on unpaid leave okay so they didn't get fired Okay, they didn't lose their job due to due to something wrong they did. They were put on unpaid leave because these employers um, didn't know what to do with these people and didn't want to risk firing them uh, for not taking the shot. And they went and apply to E. I. EI said, "Well, no, you lost your job to your own fault because you didn't take the shots." Even though, I mean, it's it's plain and obvious to anybody anybody reading this. Well, no, 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 no. I was put on unpaid leave because my employer's acting unlawfully and is unlawfully putting me on unpaid leave, which is basically the same as being laid off, uh, because I won't take this experimental medical procedure because it's against my religious beliefs. Give me my EI. Okay. So, so, um, so yeah, EI, EI, EI has always been able to look at why you lost your job and say, you're not, you're not going to get benefits because you lost your job due to your own fault. Now, normally they don't, you know, A, they don't scrutinize to this degree and B, you know, normally they act rational. And they say, oh, okay, you stole money from the till. You got fired, no EI benefits. Oh, you worked at the garden place and they ran out of work for you in September. Here's your EI benefits. Normally it's pretty simple and straightforward. Here, because EI EI apparently decided from the get-go that they were gonna do whatever they had to to deny all the benefits. I saw all these decisions coming out in 2022 originally. They were all different reasons. The EI couldn't decide which reason they wanted to use to deny everybody. There was like all these different contradictory reasons. And then a couple of them became popular and everybody, everybody, everybody got in line and used those reasons. It was really, it was funny, it was, you know, it was, it was very, it was an injustice, but it was almost funny to watch all these different reasons. You could tell this was a predetermined outcome. However, we got to get there. We'll just make up the reasons as we go. But this is the predetermined outcome. Deny everybody who didn't take the shot, EI benefits. So now with the Christians, I don't care whether they lose their job for cause or not, Right. If if, if that, that, that to me that, that doesn't matter. The, 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 the reason EI has its own, has its own analysis on this is because they have to come in and say, did the person actually lose their job because of their own misconduct? Just because the employer says so doesn't necessarily mean that it is, right? Maybe this person likes you know, to dye their hair um, a bright red and you know the employer uh, doesn't like the color red, so they just they just turfed her and said it was for cause. Okay, well, see, the EI is supposed to come in and say, oh, you're going to get your benefits because you didn't actually, like, lose your job due to your own fault. That's why they have this misconduct analysis. So what they're doing is turning around and saying, regardless of what the employer says, they're saying, no, it doesn't matter. You chose not to take the shot. And that's it. And what, what we're saying is, no, we didn't. We, we didn't choose not to take the shot. Okay. We, 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 we have our religious beliefs, they are, the law says that they are, the law says that they can't change, and we don't choose to change them, and if we do, it's unlawful, but you're saying that we chose to change our beliefs by taking the shot, so you're offside the law. That's our whole point, okay? It's, I mean, you know, you can read the materials if you want to, if you want to get, if you want to get the rest of it, if you want to get all the, the particular details of this, but this is our argument. Now, so far, everybody's ignored the argument. Nobody knows what to do with it. Everybody ignores these three big Supreme Court of Canada cases we're referring to, to establish this basis in law. Okay. The social security tribunal, the federal court, the judge of the federal court ignored this. Took everything else that's going on and said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find against Rebecca Abdu on these bases. They did not even engage our main argument. They ignored it. So here's what we've done. Lawyers don't typically do this, but here's what we've done. We've gone to the federal court of appeal, and we've given them one argument, that's it. We haven't given them anything else. We haven't appealed anything else. We've appealed on this one issue, okay? They will have to deal with this issue of the fact that the law says you can't choose your religion. It, 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 it's, it's constructively immutable, but everybody else is saying you did choose it and, and, and that's, how, that's how we're gonna deny your benefits. That issue hasn't been dealt with yet. That's the only issue we've given to the federal court of appeal, okay? And the reason we did that is, one, obviously, we're trying to win, okay? I think we should win on this issue. But the other thing is this. Again, I've said this before. I'm trying to expose to people what these decision makers are doing, okay? So now the federal court has no choice but to deal with our argument. Maybe they disagree with us, but they're going to have to come up with something that's defensible for how they disagree with us, how they overrule that prior law, and they're going to have to explain it to the people this decision won't be secret. Okay. So they're going to expose themselves for 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 the contemptors of, of religious freedom that they are if they rule against us, okay, because now they can't avoid it. Or they'll agree with us. And great, it's a win. Rebecca gets her benefits, the whole country benefits, good. Um, so that's how I've that's how we've set this up. This is this this is this is about religion. And, and whether or not people can, can go along with this fantasy that you just choose to, to follow Jesus some days and choose not to. You can just choose to go commit a sin, right? We need, we, need, we need to deal with this. We either need to get it fixed in the law or at least the people who are doing it have to deal with it and have to explain to the people and admit to the people that they just don't care anymore and this is what they want. So this for me is a win-win even if we lose. And that's always what I'm trying to do with these types of things.
1: So one one point of clarity, James, that I wanted to ask you is so so again, like when we're talking about this review um, that that e, that the EI Commission is supposed to do, um, we're already talking about Rebecca losing her job unlawfully in the sense that she th- there was there was a com- there was supposed to be accommodation within the mandates themselves for so so n- number one yeah. she should have never lost her job because she she submitted according to their policy an exemption that should have been validated by their policy and then number two so now then you have ei just standing hand in hand with the rest of the with the rest of the government uh saying yeah that's fine just It it continue to ignore so um it's not like a case of negligence it's not like a case of anything else it was their own policy that says well look here are the accommodations and and of course everybody you know this you, you you know how you know all of these things had had it you know it started with cultural exemptions and medical exemptions and religious exemptions and I remember our area. There was six exe- five or six exemptions at the beginning, and then of course it just you know welded back down into um, something very technical about a religious exemption and a very technical medical exemption. Um, but J- James, like it, it's it's not even that they're looking and saying, um, "Hey, based upon this case, there's no lawful undoing." They are actually siding with an organization that has unlawfully already acted against Rebecca. So my question for you is this, what happens if we win? What does it, what does it mean for people so that people can understand the magnitude of this? If, if, if we win, what happens?
0: Well, obviously, there's huge vindication for the people who st- who have stood their ground. This is the federal court of appeal. Okay, so whatever they say on this is binding all the way down on the Social Security Tribunal and the EI Commission and the federal court. It's it's binding all the way down, and so it 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 will it will set the law at least in this area. So it won't it won't affect the whole travesty with 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 the denial of EI benefits to everybody. But at least for those who uh, were Christians and lost their job. Um, in, in the discriminatory manner, it, it will change the law for them. So now that's good. The other interesting thing is, is how the EI thing is set up is it's, there's not necessarily a hard limitation period. The EI commission says, if there's a significant change in circumstances, you can come back and, you know, reignite a claim that we initially denied. Okay. Okay. I don't know how they'll handle this, but theoretically, I mean, this is what I'll encourage people to do if we get this ruling is they can go back to the EI commission and say, OK, you initially denied me. The law has changed on that. I want my claim reopened and I want my money because circumstances have changed and you you allow that. There's no hard limitation deadline. That, that, that I hope happens. I, I hope people do that. I hope the EI commission um, does the fair and, and right, reasonable thing on that. I don't know, but that that could be a fascinating outcome. We could see a lot of people um, get the benefits that they were denied because because the laws has changed on this.
1: When we say a law, do you have a, do we have any estimate? Well, I mean, you know, tens of thousands
0: of people were denied their benefits. Obviously, most people just walk away, but I know many hundreds and perhaps thousands um, did did pursue the appeal process. I mean, I only picked up you know, a few of these clients, obviously, but if any, any, and anytime I'm getting a few clients in one area, that means that's just the tip of a very big iceberg. And there's, you know, there's going to be 500 times more. So, um, it could be, it could be that, I don't know, uh, 8,000 people in the country go back and, and say, I want my claim reopened because of this case. And then, you know, that's, that's a, that's a lot of money and benefits that should have got paid out. Now it's unfortunate because I mean, you know, it should have been paid out in the time of distress back then people had to figure out how to survive, but still, they're, 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 they're owed their money and they should get it. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in this whole thing. I'm not a socialist, but the fact is, if you pay into the system, you bloody well deserve to get, to get it back. Right. Should we, should we have this system? No. And this is one of the reasons why in fact, you have these systems, you have government corruption and abuse of power, but if it's there, people deserve it.
1: Yeah, James. And the reason why I kind of was asking for that estimate is that if tens of thousands of people were denied their benefits and it was a policy wide, uh, like it it was a, it was, um, a, a ministry wide or industry wide decision, whatever word you want to put on the government saying that they're not going to pay any of these out, you know, very likely that was a government way of saving money. Like, like the, the, it was a fiscal decision, like it it had had nothing to do with like you know the pandemic has all already all of these costs attached. Oh, what a great way to save some money! Let's just deny everybody. Um, and I wanted to point that out to people. Like this is well. You know, and I, you know, good on them for this one article, I guess. But, you know, CBC on December 20th reported that CRA has fired 185 employees for inappropriately claiming pandemic CERB benefits. I remember CRA that. is reviewing 600 cases of their own employees receiving CERB benefits during the pandemic. The benefit was worth $2,000 a month to Canadians whose job were lost or downgraded. And they're saying that um, these cases, 116 employees who received SIRS were found to be – were not found to be eligible for the benefit. So um, like – they, they've they've gone and fired a hundred and eighteen and hundred and eighty five of their own employees for falsely claiming so so spending money and at the same time when a citizen is asking for their money back, all of a sudden we we, we have you know this other this EI commission saying you know absolutely not so so folks I, I'm just drawing your attention to those two things because this is why it's important that we fight. If, if we win, as James said, potentially tens of thousands of people can go back and say, Hey, instead of paying yourself, like the CRA did, maybe you should pay us. And then, um, if we lose, then the, the, the ignorance or the, um, Uh, How do you say the, is it the ignorance and then the ignorance? Like, what do you say it when they've just ignored the law, but the ignorance and the ignorance, there's a new PhD word, everybody. There you go. It's going to be, it's going to be in the code soon enough. Um, Of what these people are doing just because their government Just because the Canadian government right now sees itself as doing no harm, no wrong, and folks, remember, like these our constitutions were written to protect us from our government. Don't ever get duped into the fact that just because someone works for the government, that all of a sudden they they've they've got some moral stand. Six hundred cases for CRA are being reviewed. One hundred eighty five are already fired. Because your Canadian government employees decided to pay themselves before you. So remember that that is at the heart of the work that we're doing. That is why this is important. We're standing up clearly for truth. And then we're clear. We're standing up for good governance, for the rule of law. And we're standing up because the depravity of man goes so far into all of these different institutions and especially – our big, fat, ugly Canadian government, you you know, I'm living in the U.S. now, the U.S. government. Like, this is why the courts are so important. James, this has been a good episode. We're going to wrap it up quickly. Did you have any final thoughts or should I just say goodbye to everybody?
0: Well, you know, people wouldn't have known if they followed this case, they wouldn't have known that we've taken this further appeal to the Federal Court of Appeals. So first time I've announced it. So I just, I would encourage people to, uh, to support us. We got it. We got to write our brief. We got to go to our hearing, um, that, that takes costs. So I encourage people to, to donate towards this case because, um, we feel, we feel it was so important that we just had to take the, this issue, this particular issue to the federal court of appeal. And, um, I want, I, I, so I'm asking people to, to support us in that because I do think this, this is a really important legal point. And, um, I, you know, I'm still hopeful that, uh, that we can have, we can have some wins on this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's great. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, James, keep up the good work. And we we're so thankful for all of the work that you're doing on behalf of Liberty coalition Canada to defend those who stand. And so, uh, folks keep following James James. Do we have a legal update on our website for, for this filing for this new, um, appeal for Rebecca's case, or is that pending? No, but we will, we will very soon. So we thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and Godspeed.